It's already been a good morning. The worship, I told Scott Smith this morning, I was like, I think we're going to sing what I'm going to preach before we even get there. So we've already sang the message. Now we get to listen to it. Uh, Joshua 24 is if you have a copy of the Word of God, Joshua 24. And I do want to thank Pastor for the opportunity to stand behind the pulpit. And I want to thank you guys because I know that I'm not Pastor. Uh, I know that he has been consistently for years opening the Word of God and sharing his heart in the Word of God, and it has grown us. And so for me to... uh, They're big shoes to fill, let's put it that way. So Joshua 24, I want to walk through this last book and finish up Joshua. When we come to Joshua chapter number 24, you come to this spot that um, Joshua 23, I guess it says this way, that Joshua is stricken with age. Like it's funny because if you read the first, it's like he's stricken with age. It's like almost like the narrator saying Joshua is old and well stricken with age. And then Joshua's first words out of his mouth is, I am old and stricken in age. Almost like it's something you can get beat down with. And in this cold weather, maybe some of us are like, yeah, you can't get beat down with old age in this cold weather. But he's coming through. And since Joshua is a good leader who's walked with the children of Israel for so long, he's walked with them for years. Like every good leader, he's seen their weaknesses and their strengths. And Joshua, in Joshua 24, he's coming to this last moment where he's talking to the people of Israel. And it's almost like Joshua is like, I know they keep making these same mistakes. Like, I remember when we, me and Moses were at the top of the mount, and I remember hearing that noise of war in the camp, and Moses was like, nah, that's not a noise of war. we got to go take care of business. I remember every time that God did something great, they have this tendency to, like, sing the songs that we just sang, here's my heart, Lord, like, you're everything. And then I give them a little bit of time, and they turn their hearts and move towards something else. The next shiniest calf. The next thing they can look at. And Joshua is like, how do I, if I only have one more chance, how in the world do I get them to make a decision that lasts? Not just a decision that will go for the five minutes. Have you had that in church? Some of us have been going to church for years, right? We come to church. We make decisions. Pastor preaches the message like he did last week. That was fire. And after you go home, you're like, oh, man, I'm going to lead my home right. And it only takes five minutes for that decision to like, poof. And Joshua was looking at his people and saying, how can I, like, articulate to them the importance of that the decision they make for God needs to last longer than the next shiniest object, than the next high point, high place, and the next person that comes along. And then when we, as pastor talked about judges last week, and they go consistently through judges. And it seems like every time they turn around, judges are just a cycle of them looking at something else and following after that. And Joshua was like, how do I stop them from doing that? And if I were to tell you that I think there are people who write books about this, right? How in the world do you keep the habits that you make? How do you keep making decisions and keep sticking with them? You go to the self-help and they're filled with them. God was already there long ago in Joshua chapter 24. And Joshua gives us from the word of God a beautiful map that says, this is how you make a decision that lasts. And it's super practical. Like it's super like walking step by step. Joshua just says, I'm about to gather everybody together. And I've got to get them to understand that I don't want five-minute decisions. I don't want Joshua to get up and say, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And everybody cheer, and then everybody go home and do exactly what they were doing before. (laughs) 
Like, he's like, I don't want them to make decisions anymore that are just like fly by night. I want decisions that last for generations. And how does that happen? It happens in Joshua 24. So you there? Can we walk through it? Joshua 24. Number one, if you have your handout, write this down. It starts with the declaration of the word of God. Declare the word of God. Joshua does what every good leader is. You there? Joshua chapter 24. The Bible says, And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and called for all the elders of Israel, and for their heads, and for their judges, and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, what does Joshua say? Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time. And he begins to talk through the history of Israel. As we start thinking through what it is to make a decision at last, can I ask you this? And I, I just candidly, why do you come to church? Why do you come to church? Do you come to church because it's like the checklist, the checkbox that needs to be done? Or are you actually coming to church every week for God to change your heart? To hear his word, as we just sang, right? Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Joshua begins the transformation. He's like, hey, how do you want a life that's changed? How do you want these decisions to keep sticking? Joshua says, then this is what God says. I praise the Lord for a pastor who's over 26 years, right? Open God's word and not come to tell us, uh, as he would say, the politics of the day. The, I think back in the, my day, right, when I was a teenager, I was like, he doesn't preach the Reader's Digest, whatever that means. Like, <laughs> he preached the word of God consistently, and word of God taught consistently over time grows hearts and minds. And so as we start looking at this, because I believe that, we're going to read the next 13 verses. I believe that as we read these verses, this is what I want us to look for, okay? So I'm asking you to read them along with me as we walk through it. I want you to read the verses, and every time there's a word that says God, like I gave, I did, God, I, and the verb, I want you to start thinking through in your life what God has done. So when he says I gave, think about the time in your life where God gave. And let's walk through this next couple of verses in Joshua 24, because this is what he says. If we're going to make decisions that last, I have to declare the word of God. God's word has to be heard. Ready? Verse number two. I mean, yeah, let's start in verse number two. And Joshua said unto all the people, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. Here it is. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. Verse number four, and I gave unto Isaac, Jacob, and Esau, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob, his children, went down into Egypt. I sent Moses also and Aaron. I plagued Egypt, according to which I did among them. And afterwards, I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And you came unto the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your father with chariots and horsemen of the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt. And you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side, Jordan. And they fought with you. And I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land. And I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, rose and warred against Israel and sent in all Balak sent and called Balaam, the son of Yor, to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam. Therefore he blessed you still. So I delivered you out of his hand. 
and you went over Jordan and came into Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you. The Amorites, listen to this list of people. The Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you and drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. Verse 13, the last one. And I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you built not, and you dwelt in them, of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not, do ye eat. Joshua walked through and he says, hey, I want you to make a decision that matters. But first thing I need you to know is who God is. And he just walks through it. The whole history of Israel. And he says, this is what God did for you. And over and over again, toward the end, it's like, and I did not need your bow. Put your bow away, Robin Hood. God has this. I didn't need your help at all. That list of people, I took care of them. I didn't need you. I delivered you. I provided for you. I protected you. I did all those things. And he's going to walk through and he's going to ask, then why would you go somewhere else? See, one of the things that a decision that lasts, any decision that matters for a long term has to come from us seeing who God is. Like when we, the choir is saying this morning, behold our God seated upon the throne, I need Sunday because I need to see who God is. I need to step back like Isaiah and see God seated high on the throne, lifted up, to see that there were multiple times when God was speaking to my life and God says, hey, Aaron, I gave. I didn't need your talents and abilities. I did. I didn't need you. Because when I see God for who he is, it begins to put every other decision, every other thing in line. Isaiah chapter 6, right, when Isaiah sees God sitting on the throne high and lifted up, and God sees Isaiah, Isaiah sees God, if I have things to get right between me and God, it makes me fall down in woe when I see God who he is. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Write that in your notes. I'm not going to turn there for time. But Romans 2, 4. Because there God says, doesn't the goodness of God cause us to repent? Doesn't the goodness of God lead us to repentance? When I see who God is, I, like Isaiah, fall down and say, woe is me, for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Because my eyes have seen the Lord. And when my heart is right with God, I may not fall down and woe. But I fall down and worship like the angel, and I say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And no decision on earth that's worth making, if you don't stop and see who God is and see what God has done, then step back from that decision. And we're going to talk about this because we make a decision for a lot of reasons. We'll talk about it later. Sometimes we feel pressured into them. But I'm going to say every one of them needs to start with the word of God. And this is why I'm thankful for Sunday. So when I ask you, why do you come to church? Do you come to church because you have to like, oh man, check box, I've been doing this for years. Or you know what, I got to do this to get off somebody's back. I'm saying, I'm glad you're here this morning to see who God is. Because when I begin to read that list, and I think the times again that God gave to Aaron, and he didn't need my help. That God protected Aaron, and I don't even know about it then all of a sudden I start to see who God is. You got your Bible? Let's keep going. Let's walk through this chapter. Verse number 14. So 
if, number one, we're making a decision that lasts, we have to declare the word of God. What does God say? God has told them, hey, I am God. I've delivered you, verse 14. Now, therefore, here's the word, right? Now, therefore, so I think the Bible students and Bible scholars say, whenever you see a therefore, you've got to figure out what it's there for. So here's what it is. Write this down, number two. I need to decide what needs to happen. If God is God, therefore, what does that look in my life? If God has provided for me, therefore, what do I need to do? Verse number 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Were the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood. And when I, can I mention this just for if you're following along. The word flood here just means the river. So if you're thinking through back to Noah, you're like trying to do the timeline. You're like, ah, that doesn't match up. That Noah, Abraham. No, we're just talking the other side of the river, okay. So he's like, but as for me, I mean, verse 16. The people answered, uh, let's back to verse 14. That's where I was. The, on the other side of the flood in Egypt, and serve you, Lord. Verse 15, if it seem evil unto you, serve the Lord. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And this is our great part of this passage. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. And they go on to begin to make their speeches. But if I want a decision that lasts, number one, declare the word of the Lord. Hear the word of God. I've got to see who God is. Secondly, I decide what happens next. Therefore, can I give you three words that are on your handout real quick? It needs to be, number one, practical. Practical. Here's what Joshua says. You have a problem serving other gods. Therefore, stop. Put them away. It, like, he didn't get all philosophical. He didn't. He was like, well, let me tell you. Let's go back. He's just like, you keep following other gods. Put them away and serve your God only. It's practical. It's personal. If you're in verse 14, look at it. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and Egypt, and serve you, ye the Lord. Verse number 15, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, where the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It has to be personal. I have to see it as my problem. How many times have we made decisions for other people? I didn't really see it as clearly as, but if I don't know, I know if I don't say something about this, my wife's going to be on me. <laughs> if I don't do this, my mom and dad are going to be all over me. If a decision that lasts, if it's not practical, what do I do from here? I haven't prayed, read my Bible, New Year. What do I do from here? Super practical. Tomorrow, open God's word. Tomorrow, take time to pray. It has to be personal. It has to be something I have to. I have to own it. And then as we walk through that last part, it just has to be purposeful. Verse number 15, I mean, sorry, verse number 16, the people answered and said, God forbid that we would forsake the Lord God to serve the gods. Here it is. Why did they make the decision? Number 17, for the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up out of our fathers, out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight, and presented us in all the ways wherein we went, and among all the people whom we possessed, I mean, whom we passed. So he's like, 
it has to be purposeful. They saw the truth of the word of God, how they were living, and they on purpose made the decision to say, I see what you're saying of who God is, I see my life, and because I see that, it is God who does all those things, I want to follow God. So the decision has to be practical, it has to be personal, and it has to be purposeful. I remember growing up, right, going to camps and things like that, and making decisions, and like, I think God used them, right? I, I remember the service where I gave my life to the Lord, and I said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it, and I remember doing that. But I also remember going to things, right, where it's like, go throw a stick in the fire, and everybody, other friend is going to throw a stick in the fire, and so it's like, well, this is what you do. <laughs> the only purpose I was making that decision was, is because other people were around. The only purpose I was making that decision for sometimes maybe because I just felt pressure instead of the leading of the Holy Spirit. There has to be a purpose. So if we're going to make a decision, Joshua is like, you need to stop following other gods. So when we start looking at our own lives, right, I struggle with bitterness. So then I sit in the Sunday morning service and God's word, the pastor's message is not targeted on bitterness. But the Lord, the Holy Spirit, knows how to work that right. And the Holy Spirit begins to speak. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to let that go. And then I make this, like, rah-rah decision, right? Like, oh, man, in the moment, I feel good right now. Yes, I will not. Like, the next time I see that person, they are forgiven. Until I see them Monday morning, walking to work. Because they're usually work people, right? <laughs> no. I, look at, I walk into work, and I'm like, ah, it all comes back up. See, here's the thing. To make a decision, I have to, number one, see who, what God says and who God is. When I see that, it makes me fall down in worship because I'm so thankful for who he is. Or it makes me fall down in woe and say, woe is me, like Isaiah, and say, woe is me, for I am undone. And when I make the decision, I have to come to it and say, you know what, God, right now, this is what I'm struggling with. I've said 50 million times, I'm not going to look at that anymore. God, I've said thousand times I'm not going to talk like that anymore. God, I've said a hundred thousand times that I'm going to be content with such things that I have. And you know what? Every time. So what I say is, number one, hear the word of God. And then as you hear the word of God, decide what needs to be done, what practically needs to be done. I am never thankful for things I have. Maybe I need to shut down some of those windows that, make, that I always look at to see what makes me discontent. Maybe I have to put roadblocks in some ways. But you know what, that, that decision has to be personal, has to be mine. My wife can't make that decision for me. Well, Aaron, if you get this, if you start doing it here, make sure you do it, she can't. I can't do it for my kids as much as I would want to. I can put up all the boundaries in the world and I can't judge their, I can't guard their heart. So I look at it has to be personal, but it has to be purposeful. I have to make the decision because I have seen God in his word. And I am making the decision because of who God is, because of all the times that God gave. Romans 2, 4 again, that because God, because of who he is, I see who he is and what he's done. And that leads me to repentance. And so I begin to make the decision, but let's keep going. Because here's the part that uh, 
we don't often like to preach about. Uh, verse 19, you there? Oh, I'll read verse 18 and we'll go in. And the Lord drave out before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore, we also serve the Lord, for he is a God. So we're going to make this decision, Joshua. We're on board. And here's the hard part, right? Verse 19. And Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after he hath done you, he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. If you have your handout, number three, write this down. I have to discern the seriousness of my direction. Discern the seriousness of my direction. The Bible talks about godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is like, I got caught, so I'm sad. Godly sorrow is, I violated God's law, and I want to repent. Joshua looks at them as they get on their rah-rah decision, and they're like, yes, let's go, Joshua, let's go. We are going to do this. And Joshua says, I just need to stop and be serious for just a minute. You cannot serve God and keep doing, going back and forth of what you're doing. Because if you do that, God will bring consequences. No, Joshua, we're ready to make the decision. No, Joshua, we're ready to serve. Have you ever stopped to think of whatever the Lord works on you week after week after week after week, day after day? What will happen if you continue to go that direction? Joshua says, stop and think about it. Before you raise the flag and say, we've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Just stop and think that if you keep going the direction that you keep going, you keep flip-flopping back and forth, God says, I will do you hurt. And that's hard, right? I'm not going to lie, when I wrote this passage, it's hard for me to preach it. But then I started to think about it. It makes real good sense, doesn't it? That the God of heaven after he had done all those things for the children of Israel, that one day he would just move his hand and say, if that's what you want, have it. Sometimes we look at the words, God will do his hurt. It doesn't mean that God's like sitting in heaven with a, a lightning bolt ready to go. It means like Samson. That after God tells Samson, I mean, Del Samson tells Delilah, Delilah, Samson, tell me how you get... How, where do you get that strength from, Samson? Oh, well, if you do this, I'll be weak, just like every other man. And then Samson wakes up and that happens. <laughs> Samson, bro. Oh, Samson, you lied to me. You lied to me, Samson. Tell me, how, how do you get your strength, Samson? Oh, well, well, I was just kidding last time. <laughs> like, if you do this, you, my strength will be gone. Samson wakes up again. She's followed the directions to the T, Samson. <laughs> I don't think this lady loves you. <laughs> Seven times, Samson wakes up. And on the seventh time, the Bible says that Samson wakes up and he shakes himself. And he knew not that the power of God had departed from him. Finally, God said, if that's the decision you're going to make... Have it, Samson. 
And God does not have to sit in the heaven with a lightning bolt and strike. He just has to let us do what we want to do. And as Samson stands there and gets his eyes gouged out, Samson's like, I'll make a decision. I want to do what's right. I want to be the great leader God calls me. And God says, then Samson, stop doing what you're doing over and over and over and over again through the life of Samson. You see, Samson, stop doing that. And God has been so gracious over and over and over again. And then on that seventh time, God says, have it, Samson. And you look through Samson, grinding, no eyes. And it's like, he made the decision. But he never thought, what happens if I keep going the way that I'm going? What will sin ultimately do if I keep going what I'm going? Well, see, it's not that serious of a sin. No, because I can just be discontent with the things that I have and covet, and I can lose my family. Because all I'm doing is chasing things that don't matter anything for eternity. No, I never left my wife, didn't look at porn, just chase things that matter nothing in the light of eternity. Whatever the sin is, my pride, my arrogance, we go to Galatians and just read the list of the flesh, the list of the sins of the flesh, and we find out that there's a whole lot of things that I can do that if I don't stop and see the seriousness of those sins, that Joshua says, I just want you to let you know, if this decision is going to last, you need to know that this is serious. That you can't just walk in here and say, God, we're making a decision. Yay! Everybody clap. He's like, no, no, that's not the way this works. And all through the book of Judges, as pastor is going to preach through Judges, you're going to see it. God, we need your help again. And God comes because he is so gracious. And then as soon as they get his God's help, wow, that shiny idol over there really is good. Wow, that's over there. Man, look at the gods that brought us out of Egypt. And then God says, if that's what you want, have it. We find men like Gideon hiding, just trying to get food. When God says, I let you eat off trees, you didn't even have to grow. He says, hey, I need you to see the seriousness of this. That if you keep going the way that you're going, it will not be good. So I ask, what does the Holy Spirit challenge me or you Week after week, day after day. Hey, you can't do that. Hey, you need to do this. Hey, start walking through this direction. And then let's keep going, right, in the chapter. He says the seriousness of, and then verse number 25, if you're there. I'm sorry, not verse 20. Um, uh, yeah, 22. And Joshua said, I mean, verse number 21, and the people said to Joshua, nay, but we will serve the Lord. Verse 22, and Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you are, have chosen the Lord to serve him. So Joshua said, you see the seriousness. You're going to make a decision. Yes, Joshua, we're ready to do it. So here's what Joshua does. He says this, verse 23. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people, unto Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve in his voice. We will obey. I skipped a verse somewhere in there. Uh, verse, number, the, verse number 19. Uh, you cannot serve the Lord for his own. Yes, if you forsake the same God. And, and the people said, no, I'm sorry. I'm on the wrong side of my Bible. So there, verse number 27. There we go. Verse number 27. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord. 
which he spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart every man to his inheritance. So in verse number 26 through 28, Joshua says, hey, if you're going to make a decision, Joshua grabs a stone. He rolls this stone up under an oak tree. And he pushes the stone up under the oak tree. And he says, this stone has heard is witness to you. The stone heard. So, which is funny because we all know that, like, right, the stone probably heard nothing, right? <laughs> he pushes the stone up under, and he writes, the Bible says he writes it in a book. He pushes the stone up, and he said, this stone is going to be witnessing. Joshua is a master of this. If you read through the book of Joshua, Joshua is a master of this. Whenever Joshua wants the children of Israel to make a decision, he says either go grab some rocks, go stack them up, <laughs> Go grab some rocks and do something. Jericho falls down. Hey, look at the rocks. Like he's always, I want you to walk by and I want you to be reminded of the decision that you've made. So write this down if you have your uh, hand up. So determine the ways to remember your decision. Determine the ways to remember your decision. So if a decision needs to be made, i got to determine a way to remember it. And this is what Joshua says. I'm just going to roll a rock. And every time you see that rock, you're going to remember. And now as a youth pastor... I, I do love the Joshua method of doing things. And so one of the ways that I want to do that was when we went on trips. And so every now and then you go on a trip, a mission trip or something, and you see God work in the life of a young person. And it's like you see like them stand up. We would go on mission trips and like they'd have to teach a VBS or something. They'd get up in front. And you see a kid who could barely like stand up and like shake. But then they stand up and they share the gospel with a group of people. One time we were in a park in New York, right, and landed one of our teenage boys. Uh, was what's called, we were all playing basketball in this park, and the park started to get crowded. And I remember, and this is carnality on my point, right? The park was getting crowded, and I was like, hey, guys, what we're going to do is we're just going to end up passing out some gospel tracts, and we're going to pass out some gospel tracts, and we're going to walk. And Landon is like, no, I think, I think I can just talk to the whole crowd. I think I can talk to the crowd. Bro, there's a lot of people here. Like, no, you can't do that. Let's just pass some tracts. We got to, let's walk. Another one leader was like, I think he can. I think he can. So Landon steps back, and he's just like, can I get your attention? And I'm telling you, guys who've been playing basketball, everybody stops in the park in this little basketball area. And people start coming. I still have the picture. Like, he steps back, and he just starts sharing the gospel the best way he knows how. And he's like, if you want to receive Jesus Christ, I want you to go talk to this person, this person, these people on the side. And I, next thing I know, two guys are standing beside me, two of the teenage guys who are playing basketball, and they come stand by me, and I'm walking them over to go sit on the bench to lead them to Christ. Like, I, one of the things is to take a photo of that moment, and I wrote, landed a note, and I said, man, I want you to know that God is going to use you and see that. So that every time he sees that photo, it's just like the rock, right? It means nothing. The photo means nothing. But all it means is this is the moment where God did something, and I just want to put that down so that we can all see it. This is what the rock was. Joshua rolls out the rock. This rock has gone heard the witness. It's going to give witness to you. That rock's not doing nothing. But every time they walk past that tree, every time they're tempted to go look at another God, they look at that rock and they say, whoa. Whoa. That's the day we made that decision. So we do that in lots of ways. Sometimes we write it in the Bible, we write a date. 
One of the best ways, I think, is you just go tell somebody else who can listen. <laughs> you just go tell somebody who can. Hey, today I made a decision. One of the, as a husband, one of the hardest things may be to tell your wife, be like, I made a decision to stop filling the blank. Because <laughs> you know your wife's going to hold you to it. <laughs> tell your husband. Tell a friend who loves Jesus. Hey, I just want you to be a witness to me. That today I made this decision and I want to follow it through. So you may have to call me one day and say, hey, how's that Bible memory going? <laughs> hey, how you doing with what you're doing with your phone? How you doing with your contentment? But this is how you make decisions that last. You put something there as a witness. And then last part of that passage, verse number 30, 30 and 32, and we're done. And they buried him in the, uh, no, verse 29. And it came to pass, and this is when Joshua wasn't lying when he said he was stricken in age. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And they buried him. Let's skip down to verse number 30, verse number 31. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua, which had not known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. Verse number 31. Israel follows God as long as there's a leader that helps him make that decision. And so I think your last blank, right, is just develop a generation that'll do the same. Develop a generation that'll do the same. Pastor's message last week ends up, since we're preaching Joshua 24 before Judges 2, right? So this is kind of prequel to pastors. If you remember, if you can picture the chairs here with pastor from last week, the goal is to develop people that make decisions like that so that the people that were sitting in this red chair over here move up. The people who have known the works of the Lord, have seen the works of the Lord, people who have heard the works of the Lord, that we can keep moving people from this chair to this chair for generations. Developing, hey, you don't want to forget God. You want me to tell you why? Because God did all these great things. So we close with this. If, if I want to make decisions that matter, I have to hear the word of God. What is God doing? What has he done? And stop and look at that and be challenged by it. This is why Sunday is such a great thing. As I look through them, I begin to look at those decisions, and I have to make them personal, walk through every one of them with a purpose, not just because I'm in the rah-rah moment, but then I have to be serious, right? If I don't stop doing what I'm doing, if I don't start doing what I need to do, what's going to happen? And as all those things begin to set in place, I make the decision, then I grab somebody else and I say, hey, can you help me with my decision? I mark it down somewhere. I put it the before and after picture on my refrigerator, <laughs> whatever I have to do to make that decision. And that's how I begin to make decisions last. Again, people, like, we've got self-help books all over the place that tell us how to make decisions that last. Joshua was right there in his last word, Joshua 24. How do you make a decision that lasts generations? It starts with the word of God. And this works without making purposeful decisions to make it stick. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you again for your word. And God, I pray that you continue to grow us. Lord, we come to church every week. Lord, we've been faithful. But God, as your Holy Spirit needs to work week in and week out, week in and week out, developing us into something. God, I pray that we begin to make decisions for you. Lord, not that just in this moment because we feel the, the weight of, Lord, the people around us or what the pressure is. But Lord, because, God, we've seen you. We've seen your word. Your truth has hit us. And God, I pray that you'd help us to develop patterns in our life to make them stick. Again, God, 
The devil would love anything for us to come to church every week and do nothing with it. To walk out, to be happy, to smile that we were in church this morning and do nothing. But God, I pray that we be people who are like trees planted by the river of water that bring forth fruit in the season. So those people delight in your word. And so God, I pray that you'd help us to do that. We love you. We need your help. Again, we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen.